You're listening to the PBE Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the feed on Spotify, Pocket Casts, Anchor, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You don't want to miss any great audio content from the pro baseball experience. Now let's get on with today's show. What is up, guys, and welcome to PBE Family Therapy. My name is Dr. K. And I am Blowpop. We are here with the last episode of the season or first episode of the next season. Or both. We're in limbo, is yeah. what we're saying. Basically. Basically. We're dead. So, yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about the end of season twenty-three with the World Series, uh, and then talk about the draft for basically the start of the next season. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty much it. We should probably be able to gas the entire episode with just yep. those two topics. There's plenty to talk about, so we yep. won't we won't scoop too much onto our plate. Uh, yep. Let's start basically in chronological order and mm-hmm. wind it back to Saturday with the PBE Majors World Series. Yeah, in the last episode, we talked about it a little bit. If I remember correctly, your pick was the Sloths, and my pick uh-huh. was the Rougarous. Yeah, you don't need to talk so, about yeah. it. <laughs> so it was an awesome series, super entertaining, which I think is like the biggest takeaway here, especially for you and I who don't have a dog in this fight necessarily. Yeah, the fact that it went to seven games is like it's already yeah. perfect. Yep. Super awesome. So we figured we'd go through and just uh, briefly fly through each box score, just kind of looking at each game, giving you a quick recap, calling out anything that's particularly awesome um, before we get to uh, get to all the draft fun from last night. Right. So game one, uh, Rougarou's hopped out to a 1-0 start, which was pretty exciting just to see Mm -hmm. the underdog effectively steal away home field advantage is kind of cool. So they took a lead in the series with an 8-7 win in the top of the 10th. I think there were either two or three games this series that went to extra innings, which was pretty yep. crazy. Love it. Um, so they had an 8-7 win. Um, the best individual batting performance probably went to Haywood Dinkle of San mm-hmm. Antonio, uh, just because he went three for four. Yep. But uh wasn't quite enough. And then uh, a lot of pretty solid pitching performances solid with an asterisk it was an eight seven shootout so there's right. a, there's, there's a bit of run scored on either side but um you know getty went five innings with four runs and then nakamura barker and pleasance came in for the back five innings mm-hmm. also allowing three runs so i mean yep. the back the bullpen pulled their weight a little bit i would say yeah, uh, and Pleasant's giving, uh, getting the save in the bottom of the 10th, which is great. And San Antonio, again, had some okay pitching performances. Nothing amazing. Uh, Daring, Daring gave up uh, six runs over four innings, which is a bummer. Uh, Manbro, Dugan, and Windsor um, kind of closed out the game there. So nothing too spectacular in terms of pitching, which, like you had mentioned or alluded to, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to have really great pitching when the final score was 8-7. to seven. Yeah, it's kind of odd that it was, you know, both starters got shelled a little bit and then the bullpens for each team kind of put the clamps down. But by then the game was already pseudo decided. I mean, obviously it wasn't because it went to extra innings, but Mm -hmm. yeah. So game two still at San Antonio. Uh, The Sloths got a victory in this one seven to four. 
Um, pretty pretty comfortable win, it looks like. They got seven runs in the first three innings and then just held it out from there. Yeah, um, yeah and no, it doesn't look like anybody had a too amazing of an offensive day. It was a good team performance. There were one, two, three players who had two hit games. Uh, Camden uh, was pretty good. Some home runs. Camden, you said? Yeah, he, he had a two for four, but he had two runs, oh, three nice. RBIs. Yep, and got a home run, it looks like. Yep. Yeah, so that's a pretty fantastic game. Um, nothing too incredible for New Orleans. Uh, for pitching, Coco McQueen took the loss, but he he unfortunately only went 2.2 innings and he gave up seven runs. So that's a pretty rough outing. Yeah, man. So far, every time a, a Rougarou takes the mound to start the game, they just get the break speed off of him. Yeah, and even on the other side, uh, faring better, uh, well, I won't even say faring better, just a much better game in general. Uh, John Rayner went 5.2 innings, only giving up two runs. It's yep. pretty great. So that works out pretty well. Game, uh, let's see, series tied 1-1 one to one going into game three. Rugurus take that one back. A 5-4 squeaker in the bottom of the 13th. Yeah. Now that it's game three, it has you know moved over to New Orleans, so they get the uh, home field advantage for a little bit here. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah, so that's two out of three games so far have gone to extra innings, yep. which is awesome. Uh, New Orleans had uh, Richie Bonanza go four for four. Yeah. <laughs> taking two walks, so he had 100% on base with six plate appearances. And a homer. I'm just going to go ahead and guess that he'll take player of the game for that one. Yeah, I would assume so. I don't remember who it was. It's pretty great. Also, uh, look at the base running. <laughs> New Orleans had Johnny times two with two stolen bases. Beauregard had two stolen bases. Geronimo had three stolen bases. And Stefano Jr. had three stolen bases. Yeah, but Johnny times two was also caught twice. Twice. <laughs> so he's got a net, a net nothing. I mean, that's... It's not too bad. That's I wonder what the record is for stolen bases in a game or stolen bases in a playoff game because that seems I don't high. know, but 10 is many. <laughs> uh, let's see. Looking at the pitching here, San Antonio again. Starter did not fare super well. Six innings pitched with four runs given up um, for Ryan Rose on New Orleans side. Uh, McDougal gave up three runs over 4.2 innings, so... Kind of a theme here. The starting pitchers generally not faring too well, but the bullpen kind of pulling it all together. Right. And I wonder if that's a reflection on the caliber of starters versus caliber mm. of relievers that each organization has, or if it's just, you know, weird stuff happens because it's a sim. Right. Yeah. Hard to tell at this point, really. Mm -hmm. but let's see. Going to game uh, four here. Mm -hmm. Second of three home games in a row for the Rugurus, and they will extend their lead to a 3-1, mm -hmm. the 7-3 victory. Didn't even need the bottom of the ninth inning as opposed to stretching this one all the way to 13 this time. Mm -hmm. uh, another game with a bunch of solid batting performances. Uh, Johnny times two going three for five with three runs and two RBIs is probably the standout performance, although there was also Cook going three for four with mm -hmm. three RBIs. Looks like Johnny times two also had... A home run as yep. well, so that helps. Good game for him for sure. Moving on to pitching, uh, the the theme continues, especially for San Antonio. Daring comes in again, uh, gets through four and two thirds, but gives up six earned runs. 
uh, and then Manbro and Greer bringing up the back end for them. Uh, New Orleans uh, via Getty gave up two runs over six innings, a much better performance. And then the bullpen came in and really clamped down with Mazeroski and DeMarco. Closing out the game. Johnny times two, again, the player of the game here. Well, so the Rugers are up 3-1, but the series went to seven games, so yep. we know who wins games five and six. Spoiler alert, it's San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they take back game, let's see, game five, uh, five to one pretty handily. Uh, the Rugers only gave, uh, only scored one run for the whole game. So as you would expect, the Rugers bats were pretty quiet with only five hits. And yep. San Antonio's were not that much better with nine hits. Uh, Camden was two for four, as well as Turtle was two for four. Uh, and Scott Poe was two for four on the San Antonio slots side of things. For the pitching, uh, once again, a little bit of a rough start for the losing team's starter with Coco McQueen going six innings for three ERs, which is, again, not that bad. But yep. if your bats are only going to put up one run... Yep. It's an uphill battle. Yep. So. <clears throat> exactly. And San Antonio's John Rayner had a much better start. I think this is one of the first quality starts we've seen so far in the series, uh, going six innings and only giving up one earned run. And then Windsor, Rodriguez Jr., and Greer um, went for the rest of the game without giving up any earned runs. So fantastic performance from the Sloss bullpen. Game six, again, sloths are going to win because they have to because there was a game seven. Right. And this one came in pretty emphatic fashion. Yeah. Uh, 9-0 home game shutout for these sloths. It's pretty impressive. And honestly, just from keeping an eye on the games, I wasn't able to watch this stream, but I was checking checking scores uh, via you sending me stuff. When I had heard that game six went to the sloths 9-0, I was definitely like, ooh, are they going to be able to bring that momentum into game seven and just clobber them to to take away a World Series win? Right, not quite a reverse sweep, but like mm-hmm. a reverse gentleman's sweep or something. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call that one. But, something uh, like that. They also almost had a no-hitter. Only yeah. Bruh of New Orleans was able to get himself a hit. Um going one for four. Everybody else had a donut on that night. But uh, Stan Antonio, most likely the incoming MVP Mm -hmm. of the league. I think we find out on Sunday, but I'm not 100% sure. Yep. Uh, So he goes three for three, and he takes a walk. Mm -hmm. And he also has five RBIs and three runs. I'm going to go ahead and assume he had a home run. Yep. Looks like right there, home run, uh, fifth inning off of McDougal. And seventh inning off of... Oh, yep. Yep, and right. eighth inning. Lots of lots of home runs. Holy cow. He, 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 <laughs> he only got walked or hit home runs. Okay, very cool. Oh my gosh, I missed the three after their name. That's hilarious. Yeah, so generally good strategy for all the noobs listening out there. If you would like to either take walks or hit it over the wall, not a bad strategy. I would say. Um, looking ahead here to the pitching, uh, McDougal, uh, went six innings and only gave it up two runs, which is great. But unfortunately, Barker gave up four runs the next inning and Mazeroski gave up three runs in only two thirds of an inning after that. San Antonio, as you mentioned, almost had a no hitter, mm-hmm. uh, Rose going six innings and only giving up one hit, no earned runs and Dugan with the three inning save, um, and not giving up a single hit. 
Yeah, I like to imagine uh, New Orleans went through their pitchers, and every mm-hmm. time Stan Antonio hit a home run, they're like, "Okay, kid, get out of there. We're Next. gonna send in somebody else." Next. No, he, he okay. He got him too. Okay, somebody else. Yep. Okay, he got him too. Yep. Fourth guy. <laughs> All right, now we're fine. We're stabilized. What's the score? Nine zero. Oh God, no. That's right. That's right. Uh, so finally getting to to game seven here. The underdog Rugeries are, are able to steal away a win with a very entertaining three to one win where they scored two runs in the top of the eleventh. Everybody likes discount baseball. Everybody yep. likes bargain baseball, but yep. everybody loves free baseball. Loves free baseball. And there were, I think, three games this series that got some free baseball. There's basically an entire extra game of baseball. Yep. Exactly. And as the tiebreaker in the series, game seven, like you just can't beat that. Right. It's it's very narratively thick. There's a lot of injected drama in there. And it's also an underdog win. Mm -hmm. And it's also the same year that New Orleans got their first postseason game win. Just flat out any individual game. Yep. And uh, I don't know. It's 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 a it's a feel good story. And it was capped off. With a Richie Bonanza two for five, two mm-hmm. RBI night, I would have to imagine that two RBIs might be a top 11th home run. It looks like it was, in fact, mm-hmm. a top 11th home run. You'll love to see it. A Not a walk-off because they were at the home team, but putting a, a home run over the fence uh, to win it is is pretty awesome. Um, not surprisingly, San Antonio had quieter bats. McDonald was two for five with an RBI. Dinkle was two for four, um, but not a ton of offense on this game. And flip side of that, of course, pitching did really well in this game. Uh, New Orleans Getty went six innings pitch with only one earned run. And then Barker and Pleasance went a combined five innings, only giving up two hits and no earned runs. Uh, and then San Antonio Daring went five and one third inning, giving up one run. And then, unfortunately, as you can imagine, the bullpen gave up the final runs to to win the game for the Rugs. Right. And because this one was such a low scoring, tight game, mm-hmm. this was like one of the only games of the series where the losing starter did not get absolutely shelled. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A very different looking game in terms of just checking out the box scores compared to uh, the rest of the series. It was actually a shootout. Yeah, as opposed it's, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the, uh, the Cavs warriors finals where mm. the Cavs ended up winning because in that series, three or four of those games were just absolute blowouts where the game right. was decided at halftime. And mm-hmm. then in the last game, nobody scored for the final, like four minutes until Kyrie hit his go ahead three pointer. Right. So it's kind of the same thing where, when it came to crunch time, it was really defense that clamped down and then somebody finally just had to make a play. Yeah, absolutely. So awesome world series, really enjoyable first world series for both of us to, to be consuming and a huge shout out to Philly's fan and the rest of the Rugs for uh, not only claiming your first playoff win, but just going all the way and getting your first world series win. And they get to uh, give the series MVP trophy to Richie Bonanza as well. And that's, Woo-hoo! I think, I don't think he's retired, but he is on the way out. So it's it's a cool way to sort of ride off into the sunset a little bit. Sure. Yeah, let's look and see. He is. Oh, he's only been in the uh, majors for six seasons. Yeah. Six years. So he might be he might be around for a while longer, I would anticipate. Okay. But already put together a 19 war career, which is pretty good. So shout out to you, Richie Bonanza. It's a lot. 
That is a lot. Uh, any final closing thoughts on our World Series chat? Uh, Godillos. Godillos. There you go. Um, yeah, hope hope that uh, one or both of us will be in a World Series someday um, competing for that victory, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Right. I think we can agree that you're very likely to be in a World Series next season. I certainly hope so. I certainly hope that the... Uh, the Dynamos will be able to get us to the minor league World Series. But in pursuit of our first major World Series, uh, we took the first step last night uh, mm-hmm. by participating in the Season 24 Majors Draft. Right. And before we look at specifically what happened during the draft, we'll mm-hmm. we'll, we'll take a little bit to talk about just like the experience leading up to it. Um, yep. So one of the things that you and I have talked about multiple times on this show Mm-hmm. and agreed on multiple times on the show is the game of OOTP being just like a sim-based, effectively RNG, but pretty realistic mm-hmm. baseball simulator is fun. It's nice. Yeah. It's good. Whatever. Yep. Great. It's it's a functional program that does exactly what it sets out to do. Two thumbs up. Yep. But we don't like PBE because of OOTP. Right. OTP is necessary for the league to function, but the mm-hmm. reason that we like the PBE is because of the human interaction. Yep, the community. And it was really fun and sort of validating and satisfying mm-hmm. to have handfuls of GMs, you know, reach out and say, "Hey, can we pick your brain a little bit? Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk to us and see see what's up?" You yeah. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. So everything leading up to the draft was super cool chatting with GMs. Um and then the actual experience of the draft night was super awesome because last draft, because we were both in the league, had just joined the league um, for the season 23 majors draft. And to be frank, I didn't even end up watching that, um, not just because our players weren't involved, but like I didn't know the teams. I didn't know the people. I didn't know the GMs. I was just not familiar with the league. So watching the draft didn't really interest me at the time. Right. And I don't, I, I definitely didn't watch it either, but I am trying to think back. I think I made my player on a Wednesday night mm-hmm. or something. So like, I, I mean, I might have even made my player on the night of the draft and sure. just not even had an idea that the draft was happening. And yep. now that I say it, I don't think I did know that the draft was happening. Yep. And it makes, it makes a lot of sense, but that uh, just shows like a stark contrast between that first one and now having been in the league for a quote unquote year, a league year. um, I feel like we've both gotten to know different people in the league, different users, more familiar with the teams, the kind of the storylines of the teams. And that just made the draft so much more interesting, not just for the, where are our players going to go aspect of it, but also what are these teams going to pick? Where are they headed? What, what's their future look like? All of those questions. Right. And it's not, not even just, we have context so we can enjoy the draft. Mm -hmm. It's, it's more than just us knowing other players. It's also other players now know us. Yeah. At yep. least a little bit. Two-way, two-way street there, for sure. Yeah, makes it far, far more interesting. Um, so you and I got to be on a call for the first probably two rounds of the draft or so, um, which yeah. was really awesome. Do you want to maybe tell everyone what your experience was actually th- in terms of what you were thinking and feeling through the actual first round of the draft? 
So through the first round of the draft, I I had expectations that um, based on my communication with various GMs, mm-hmm. my most likely th- place that I thought that I was going to end up landing was going to be New Orleans. I thought I was going to be number 14 overall. Um, and New Orleans had been talking with me a lot. Philly's fan is super approachable, really mm-hmm. pleasant person. Um, yep. So I, I was making the assumption that at the very least they had their eyes set on me. So I was expecting to go then just because I didn't have necessarily uh, much of an inkling that I should go earlier than that. Sure. But with that being said, I also had been contacted plenty by uh, four different Toros individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's Jay Steele, there's Bauer, Mm-hmm. There's Sori or Sorian. I think it's Sori though, because he like he divvies his name differently depending on what uh like media platform he's on. Gotcha. So I think it's I think it's Sori. Mm-hmm. So there's so Sori, Bauer, and Jay Steele, who I think are like effectively the GMs. Mm-hmm. Sori is not a GM. He's listed as owner, but I don't think <laughs> it, I don't think that has an actual function in the league. So maybe just like in the war room. I, I guess <laughs> I, I'm assuming so. I think officially Jay Steele and Bauer are the only two like GMs sure. proper, but like yep. Sorry's in the mix too, so whatever. So I had those three, and then I also have um Shady Shoelace, who mm-hmm. for those who might not remember, Shady Shoelace is my friend from college that we found out we were in this league together because on one of these podcasts he recognized my voice and then reached out to me using a college nickname. It's hilarious. Like super fun, (laughs) very small world feel. Um, Yeah. So like I kind of had four different people in the Toros camp reaching out to me little by little. Yep. Uh, So Toros were definitely the place that I thought was second most likely for me to go. Sure. After that, I don't think I even really had a third. I was pretty darn confident that I was going to go to Rugeru's if I fell to 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that being said, I also had no idea that the Toros were going to make the draft moves that they did <laughs> to have three first round picks. Yeah. Yep. So as soon as I saw those picks on the board, my mentality changed and I was like, okay, Toros have talked with me a lot and now they have over a fifth of the first round to themselves. Yep. So we'll see what happens. Um, so how, and then what was your thought process before the draft? And then we'll like go through the picks and see how our thought process changed or whatever. Perfect. Yeah. So for, for me, I had had good conversations with a bunch of different GMs. Um, I was in this weird spot trying to balance between uh, being you know, on one side, being a starting pitcher, a high earner in terms of TPE and money. Um, and an active user in the community. So I'd viewed myself as a towards the top of the first round draft pick. Um, but on the other side, I didn't want to just assume that that's where I would be picked. So it was kind of this, Hey, maybe I'll go top three, four or five. And then on the other hand, it was like, or I could slide to the back of the second round. So Mm -hmm. trying to kind of balance all of that. Um, I had had, Conversations, like I said, with a bunch of, of GMs, I thought that it was pretty high likelihood I was going to go to like Kashima around the eighth pick. Um, but that's what I had in my mock. Yeah. yeah, but they 
traded that pick away so that I knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, I thought there was a slight possibility of the demons taking me at two, but they traded that away. So that wasn't going to happen either. Um, and they still could have gotten you at the 10 if you had fallen yep. there. Absolutely. Yep. So I thought that could have been a possibility. Um, but I, as was mentioned on stream, happened to mock myself, not only to the team that actually took me, but the exact pick that took me and that was the vandals at number five. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you picked one of two teams that you had multiple yep. picks to be flexible with, but it didn't yep. matter because you still got the exact number right anyways. Exactly. So um, that was kind of the experience, and it was it was pretty fun to be sitting there watching the draft, watching each pick go by and having that suspense of like, are they going to take me? Are they going to take me? Are they going to take me? And then when the Vandals finally did take me at number five, that was pretty awesome. And hearing uh, AJ um, and the uh, co-GM, I... I'm so bad at pronouncing Hasio, I think, or Asio. Um, Hasio, probably. Um, ha hearing them talk about how excited they were to get me at that spot. And uh, I think it was AJ that said he they even viewed me as number one overall material, um, which was was pretty cool to hear. It's definitely flattering. It's also definitely wrong. Yeah, Sorry. oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> no, Michael Knight Rider is like by far and away the number one pick and should have been. Um <laughs> But I'll take the flattery for sure. Yeah, I, I don't want your head to get too big, so I'm going to pop that balloon too late. a little bit early. Too late for that. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, so, yeah, neither of us were surprised that MKR went first because yep. LBG, which I, I, I think I end up doing both of those as acronyms because they're both a bit of a mouthful and it's like, it almost sounds like secretive to be like MKR of LG, uh, LBG or whatever. Yeah. Yep, like a secret organization or something. Love it. But uh, I mean, he's got oodles and noodles of cash. Yep, we both. just looked, and he has. Uh, last last we looked, like thirty minutes ago or something, he's the highest bank total in the league with I think it was like three hundred and six or three hundred and nine million dollars or something like that. Something like that. So I mean, he's set. Yeah, forever. Mm -hmm. and keeps earning so like he's even more than set forever he could quit every job in the league and never do anything again and still fully fund several seasons probably a full player's career yeah probably probably two yeah because there's also whatever whatever contracts you have to get oh right yep so yeah, i mean, definitely could <laughs> yeah so like he's he's clearly a top pick and then the mm -hmm. other one in effectively the same camp as him is rabid sponge 21's bongo lulongo who went second yep i think i think the reason that mkr was a clear number one is mm -hmm. because specifically kashima had to go number one and their pitching was uh we'll say lackluster yeah less than fantastic right we'll so i th yeah. i think that one two order is basically like it's almost the only way it could have gone down because yeah. MKR is one of the two clear best overall talents mm -hmm. and Kashima needs pitching. And then right. the other best overall talent of Bongo can go to like anybody. Yeah. Also uh, hilarious shout out to rabid sponge. First off, thank you for putting together your mock draft. Cause I know both you and I, kind of use that as a reference and kind of a starting point for our own mocks. Yep. Um, so thank you. Also got a hilarious message uh, that apparently last, last episode we called him sponge for like the whole time. 
I also uh, called him Sponge about a dozen times in my pre-draft article. Yeah, just looking at the name, I think both of us just assumed that Sponge would be the nickname for that. Well, apparently he is a, a pretty well-known user and goes by Rabid, so... Sorry, Sponge. With, uh, with that in mind, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm still doing Sponge. It, it just It's too funny not to do at this point, so thank you for all your work, Sponge. We appreciate you. Yep. Um, so great number two pick. He's sitting at fantastic TPE, uh, already at like 232, pretty much at the top of the of his class, um, at least of the time of this mock draft. And uh has he has two sixty-three million in the bank. So he's yeah, doing so, well. So those were the clear one and two. They basically had to go one and two in mm-hmm. some order, and because Kashima was first, it had to be MKR going first. Right. So like all of that makes sense. Yep. Great. Um, for number three, uh, was Jackie Daytona who Mm -hmm. plays at base number three. So that's, I don't know, fun or cute or something. Yep. Um, (laughs) and I think that's another great pick. Jackie Daytona is a, like another high earner and all Mm -hmm. that jazz. Um, one thing that you really got a kick out of seeing though, Mm -hmm. or, or reading, if I remember right, you told me that the vandals were, very tempted to pick you at the three instead, mm-hmm. but then we're just crossing their fingers that the crabs would pass you over. Yep. Which I think was a good call because, or, or a good gamble, which it's obviously easy to look back on a gamble Hindsight, that you won yeah. and say that it was a good one. But uh, I think at the time taking Jackie Daytona and knowing that Ruth Heater Ginsburg was still on the board. I know I'm skipping ahead a pick here. I, I think in most people's mocks, uh, she was taken before Giuseppe. Yeah, in the majority of them. So it makes a lot of sense. And since joining the Vandals locker room, which after we go through a bit, we can talk about our locker room experience mm-hmm. and give some shout outs. But um, after joining the locker room, I, I discovered that Jackie Daytona's uh, Jackie Daytona is a recreate and his previous player played for the Vandals for a number of years. Um, so super strong ties between the user uh, specifically and the Vandals. So it makes even more sense that they... Uh, made sure to secure him at the number three. Right. And one thing that I am working on in my post-draft article that will yep. probably be up at some point by the end of the evening, mm-hmm. and maybe, who knows, the back third might be <clears throat> less coherent because it's Friday night. <laughs> um, one thing that I mentioned is I'm I'm curious as to, you know, new folk like you and I, mm-hmm. if there's maybe even like an extra temptation, like an added allure mm-hmm. because if the Vandals pick you or if the Toros pick me, mm-hmm. now that's our first team. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there's the Dillos and the Dynamos. Right. But like, I wonder if there's like some amount of like, if they grab us first, are they hoping that A, we're going to be good for their team and B, mm-hmm. the team will be good for us mm-hmm. leading mm-hmm. to, you know, like, is is this maybe some like intentional indoctrination to try to guarantee like even future players if mm-hmm. you and I pan out or something like that? I wonder if yeah. that's a part of the selection process for promising first year players. Yeah, I could totally see that because because you're right. If if we you know let's look ahead a couple years, real life's time. You know, uh, Hickam's and Tosin have great careers. They retire. Uh, and when we do recreate, 
if we had a good experience in a clubhouse and with a GM, uh, we would probably be more likely to want to go there. Um, I I feel like I hear all the time, um, you know, something with a specific team and somebody says, ah, one of my good buddies is there or a big trade happens. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm friends with so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. Just kind of uh, reinforcing that whole, you know, it's, it's about the human interactions. Right. Yeah. And obviously, you know, if you recreate a player, it's not like I can, you know, 18 months from now, real life, I'm not going to have the luxury or authority to be like, okay, I made my player. Please only draft me to the Toros. Right. But I could make my player and get drafted to the something else and Mm -hmm. just have it in my head. All right. Once free agency hits, I'm bouncing. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, in summary for that third pick, Jackie Daytona, great pick. His previous player was named Theodore Crunkleton, which is flipping awesome. Uh, Is there a either real life or immersion universe universe tie between Crunkleton and Jebediah Crunk? I don't know, but it's really funny. (laughs) I hope there is. I Um, I choose to believe. Yeah. There you go. Or there isn't, and they just happen to have very similar names, which would also mm-hmm. be funny. Um, yeah. But the whole time I was sitting here trying to think of what his previous player's name was, and I couldn't get Jebediah Crunk out of my head, but I knew that that wasn't it. So I had to go look on, on OTP. Right. I admit, I, I had to. <laughs> yeah. And then if we move on, um, the fourth pick of the draft, like you alluded to, Mm-hmm. pseudo accidentally like whatever you have to talk about her for yep. your justification like whatever yep. uh the crabs go with ruth heater ginsburg who mm-hmm. i think everybody had not necessarily as the best pitcher obviously but mm-hmm. pretty far and away the best reliever oh yeah yeah so, i think that's pretty much been from what i've seen of everybody's mocks that has been pretty much a consensus uh pick in terms of the number one reliever where they took her was different on all the mocks but definitely agreed that that was the best reliever in the draft right and if i remember right i think i heard last night that uh she's some other player's girlfriend so it's like it's fun yeah. to see you know a couple have this as an activity yeah. together Love it. so like when i found it i was like oh that's cute and then i was like yeah. oh, i gotta get a girlfriend yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Blow pop is available now. <laughs> I will transfer twenty million dollars of PBE money <laughs> if you can find me a single woman in the Cleveland area that I find good chemistry with. Well, I'll get started on that. Be a good way to earn twenty <laughs> mil. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, R- RHG is a great pick, and also. I think you and I are in agreement that Mm -hmm. probably the best name in the draft. Yeah. I mean, you can't beat the name just in general being awesome. Also RIP to the actual Ginsburg, like good timing, like just awesome. A a, a pretty tasteful and uh, pretty funny homage to a very important person in history. I totally agree. And very interesting for the user to kind of pivot on that had a quite the 48 hours Um, throughout the draft process not only did she get drafted to the providence crabs number four overall Mm -hmm. she also got traded from the dallas dynamos to the brew city bears which is i think good on the dynamos Mm -hmm. to be willing to let go of a good talent 
yep. in order to give the Bears, you know, like something to work with for their impending first season. I don't know if they're actually going to play games this upcoming season. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know the the schedule for expansion teams. Sure. If this like, if Saturday is their draft and then they have one more draft after, or if they just. Mm have to make trades for future drafts to get players and get started or something like that you know yeah i think there is if i understand this correctly there is an expansion draft where everybody can you know protect certain players and then the expansion teams can pick from the existing teams and then i believe they also participate in the miners draft which is all of the teams drafting from the whole pool if i am correct i think that's how it works so i think they start playing games right away here Okay, um, so do do you know the timeline for when the expansion draft is in mm, comparison to the real draft? I don't. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that the miners draft has already happened in real life. The stream will be tomorrow. I right, think. I, I think yeah, but I think that's the normal draft. Right. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. We'll have to. If somebody knows, uh, give us a shout out on Discord um, at either Doctor Chair Blow Top reply or, or reply in the the J Sync. Yep. For sure, J- on the thread. JC Inc. JC Inc. I think is how they say it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Maybe yeah, it's like so Polish. Shout out. Maybe it's like Zink. It. It very well could be. <laughs> I think it's pronounced Shishevsky. Yep. Nailed it. So give us a comment on Shishevsky. Um, but uh, should we jump back into the draft here? Sure. Uh, we'll go back to back with Dallas Dynamo pitchers this time, as we already mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fifth pick of the draft overall, the Vandals will pick you. Woohoo! Yeah, super exciting. I kind of already talked about my experience with it, but it was super cool to see my name. Uh, huge shout out to the graphics team who did all of the Pokemon themed stuff on the stream last night. So awesome. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was a really, uh, it was definitely a different tone that I was expecting because mm-hmm. when you and I watched the miners draft, even though you and I couldn't get drafted mm-hmm. and were instead like wavered on or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it was still, it was like, it was kind of like a, a vice city, like neon 80s mm-hmm. or something like that yeah. going on. Uh, and then it was just super childlike wonder for yesterday's yeah. stream, very Pokemon theme. And it's not, too surprising because i do remember that there's at least one streamer it might be hummus i'm not sure Mm -hmm. but somebody very often uses like the pokemon font yeah pbe logo at the bottom of the screen where they're on the sim team yep and it's a cool homage to i believe pokemon's 25th anniversary if i remember correctly um it it also is like peak nostalgia i would assume for the majority of players in the league um like i am yeah. guessing we're all at right about that age where we remember when we first started playing pokemon and we probably remember it quite fondly right yeah i i would have to assume for the most part i bet the window of age is somewhere between like 20 and 35 ish for most players involved and mm-hmm. then there's probably a handful of people on the older side of that bracket i don't mm-hmm. imagine there's too many people on the younger side of the bracket because I don't imagine there's too many hypothetically 14 year olds who have the patience to do, you know, like little write up articles right. and stuff like that. So, yeah. And if there are any out there, like shout out to you, because I would not have yeah. been doing this as a 14 year old. I'll tell you that much. 
definitely not. But uh, right. let's see. So talked about my pick. Awesome to go number five. At this point in the draft, I remember specifically like immediate thought switched from where am I going to go? It's like, all right, where's blow pop going? Um, trying to figure that out. So I was definitely sharing in that anticipation with you that I'm, I'm sure you were also feeling. Right. Yeah. Um, and my thought process changed immediately with the sixth pick because mm-hmm. with the sixth pick, the Toros, who was, again, to clarify, the Toros were the second most likely landing spot for me in my head. Mm-hmm. They picked uh, Caden Kalian yep. of your Dynamos, who, mm-hmm. at least in... I think both of our eyes was like pretty clearly the best overall choice for second base. Yep. Um, so it's not a surprise that they would pick him over me, mm-hmm. but they picked him. So I was like, okay, well, probably not going there anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I was, I was hitting the hammer on, all right, I'm, I'm going to New Orleans. Yep. I remember us talking about it and I was like, Hey, Toro still have two more picks. And you were pretty clear like, yeah, but they just took a second baseman. So I'll probably fall. Um, Right. Yeah. So that was um, exciting, and you know, weren't quite sure what was going to happen, and and all of that. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I, I wasn't like disappointed because mm-hmm. I would have liked to play for Cancun, but I also sure. would have liked to play for New Orleans. So mm-hmm. I still had one of my two effectively like tie top picks. Yeah. Remaining as mm-hmm. in my eyes highly likely. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I. In my head, it wasn't like, oh, dang it, that one's off the table. It was Mm -hmm. like, okay, so it's not that one. I'm going to New Orleans. Cool. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Moving on to the number seven pick, the Sarasota Supernovas took the starting pitcher, Dirk Diglett, which was a great great pick. I think in most people's mocks that I saw, he and I were kind of interchangeable along with Perry Hodder for the number two overall starting pitcher. Um, depending on yeah. your flavor of preference. Yeah, I ended up uh, in mine. I put you um, above him for two for two terrible reasons and one good reason. <laughs> uh, the, the first terrible reason is you're my cousin, and I'm yep. going to put you above him. Thanks, dude. Uh, the second terrible reason is he's a flamethrower, and I didn't want the top two starting pitchers in the draft to both be <laughs> flamethrowers, so I put you in instead for Perfect. variety's sake. Switch it up. And then the third not garbage reason was you have proven yourself to be a max earner in mm-hmm. TPE and you and I are piling money up like yep. it's nobody's business. So yep. like you you were from an like a an economic, like an investment standpoint of yep. you being able to funnel yourself, mm-hmm. like you're a great pick. Right. So I, I felt justified doing that. I don't have any proof that like Diglett is not doing that or anything. Right. So <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's totally legit. And it's, yeah, like I said, pretty much interchangeable and that's just kind of where it fell. So, um, super happy for him going to supernovas. And then for the number eight pick, uh, the Toros took the, really the consensus top catcher of the draft in Ernie wit. Yeah. And it's important to also point out the fact that out of these three picks that the Toros have in the Mm -hmm. first round, none of them are their own. So mm. in a bevy of trades, they got rid of their 11th pick, mm-hmm. and then they got the Apex's 6, which they took Kalian. They mm-hmm. got Nashville's 8, which they took Ernie with, mm-hmm. and then they got Death Valley's 12, which we'll discuss later. Yeah. Yep. And I'm surprised to some extent that 
Caden fell to six. I mean, mm-hmm. fall to six is not that big of a fall. Right, right. Whatever. But I'm also, I'm more surprised that Ernie fell to eight because Caden's the best two, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of twos. Mm-hmm. Ernie's the best center or catcher. Mm-hmm. Got basketball in my head. Yeah, it's, it's all good. Ernie's the best catcher, but there's not a ton of catchers. Right. There's like two other good choices mm-hmm. and then a bunch of others that are like, oh, yeah, hmm. right. Exactly. It's like pretty much Ernie Witt, and then I believe Spock. Isn't he a Dillo? Yeah. And then there's also another catcher on Kansas City who was effectively stuck behind Ernie Witt. Okay. I got you. Um, well, what a bummer to be stuck behind Ernie Witt. <laughs> right. Let me let me pull up on my, my catcher list is yeah, Junichi Kaneda of the Hepcats. Okay. Um was yeah, he's he's stuck behind the far and away best individual catcher player. So like that's, that's just tough beans. Yeah, for sure. And it looks like one other went in the draft, Ernie Harwell in the fourth round. And I don't know that name because I only did three rounds for my mock draft. And I don't know it because I only did one round for my mock draft. <laughs> right. right. Um, but that's okay. Uh, so Ernie Witt, to the Toros. And then next up for the number nine pick, uh, we've got a fantastic pick starting pitcher for the uh, to the Raptors, Perry Hodder. Fantastic name and even better pitcher and user from what I can tell. Right. And uh, as we mentioned a little bit ago, Perry Hodder, Dirk Diglett, and Giuseppe Tosin were all kind of in the same bucket. You know, yep. they had pretty comparable TPE. They're all earning enough money that it's of no concern to whoever picks them up. So mm-hmm. it's kind of just like a... a choose what looks good to you sort of thing. Um, And I mean, I don't know what the Raptors need. Mm -hmm. I I pointed out in my article that it's like, they have like 11 people Mm -hmm. or something like they, they have like a very thin roster. So I didn't know what they were supposed to pick up because they don't have like air appearance in any category or anything like that. So picking up pictures is Always good. Like one yep. thing I said to you yesterday was I fully expected you to definitely go before me because even though you and I are of comparable quality in terms of mm-hmm. the player behind the player, right? You know, yep. every team always needs another pitcher. Yeah. Because anytime you can get somebody to put in the rotation, they're oh, yeah. going to be valuable. Yep. Whereas teams only would need me if they have a second baseman or like maybe shortstop, that's going to be on his way out. They need someone to fill the gap. Yep. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So I think really the the thing differentiating the three that you just mentioned is, is maybe archetype. If, if a team is looking for a specific archetype, um, other than that, everything's relatively comparable. I, I was sort of surprised Perry Hodder went after Dirk Diglett. I just r- vaguely remembered there being a difference in bank accounts. I went and looked and Diglett has about 19 million, whereas Potter, uh, Perry Hodder, sorry, uh, has 55 million. Um, so maybe a steal for the Raptors to, to get away with uh, the player with a higher bank account. Right. And I, while I do agree with you, mm-hmm. the thing with that is Diglett still hit the magic number. Because 19 million is the maximum you can spend in one week. Yeah, for sure. Unless you include like gambling or something, but that's right. not re- not really spending. For sure. That's gambling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Diglett still had enough as of the creation of the spreadsheet that yeah. we were using 
Diglett still had enough to this week dump a million for training and dump the other 18 for equipment or potentially more likely dump a million for training and dump like 12 or whatever one of the other Mm -hmm. thresholds Mm -hmm. is. And then next week do a million and then upgrade equipment. And then next week do a million and then upgrade equipment or something like that. So like, it's not like, it's not like Diglett was sitting at 10 or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If anything, he still had enough to just dump it all at once if he wanted to. So yeah, yeah, it worked out. Moving on to number 10, the Detroit Demons, who traded back from the number two overall pick. Uh, they pick up a second baseman. This one was a surprise watching the stream. Second baseman, Hunts Catsup. Again, A-plus name. Right. And um, Hunts Catsup and I have the same position and the same archetype. Mm-hmm. So, like, and and pretty much the same TPE totals. I don't know what Hunts is sitting at for money. I'll but go look like, at it. Okay. Um, but like in terms of investment quality, we're both pretty much the same. And in terms of archetype, we're the same and in terms mm-hmm. of position, we're the same. So he and I are basically interchangeable pieces. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised, not last night, cause I didn't really think about it at the time, but mm-hmm. tonight, today, when I started writing my post draft article, I thought back and I realized the demons never reached out to me. Mm. So it's it's kind of bizarre to me that if they were set on taking a second baseman, mm-hmm. much less taking a second baseman magician, yeah, definitely, that they wouldn't talk to me at all. Mm. So I don't know. Maybe maybe there's some you know extenuating circumstances like maybe Hunt's Catsup's player is really good friends with the GM and they just like know him or something. Sure. Yeah. Which is totally possible at this point, which is yeah, totally possible. And if that's the case, totally fair. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they got lazy with their due diligence and they only interviewed or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. two different second basemen. And then they were going to pick Caden if he fell and then hunts if he was available and they just didn't expect three to go before them, which is sure. valid. Or maybe there's like some weird thing where they just like either don't believe in Wallaby or they like doubt me as the player behind Wallaby or something. It's possible. It was was weird to me that they didn't reach out at all. Uh, And for that reason, I have decided to hate the demons (laughs) forever. You got to have a rivalry. You got to have a, you know, uh, something that motivates your, your player. When we when we go to Detroit or when Detroit comes on down to Mexico, those will be the only days that the Toros locker room ever sees Wallaby frown. <laughs> Otherwise, I, he's always happy. I will say too, uh, again, like you had said, we don't really know all of the reasons behind a pick, but it, it was an interesting situation for sure. And looking at Hunt's Catsup's um, money, their bank account, uh, they have like 14 and a half million. So not nearly as much as, as you have in your bank account, which makes the pick even more interesting. Also something kind of hilarious. I think I alluded to and, or wrote about specifically. And one of my articles is if we just like take a moment and like step back, look at some big picture kind of meta here, how hilarious is it that we discuss players in terms of their skills, but also how much money they have. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, man, this LeBron James is really good at basketball, but have you seen his bank account? He, he has a lot so of money. much money. <laughs> but hey, that there is a real life at like 
analog specifically with LeBron James because he yeah. spends like 2.7 million on his gym every year. That's or right. Like that. So like, it's definitely not a one to one. Right. But it's not a zero to one either. Yeah, for sure. Or look at like Tom Brady. I'm sure he spends oodles of money with the TB12 stuff to keep him pliable and all of that. See, kids, the secret to success is just minor cheating scandals. Yep. And then marrying a supermodel with a three hundred and fifty yep. million dollar net worth. Yep, absolutely. And 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 uh, important scandals, you know, multiple oh. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, racking the money. So we'll have yeah. to figure out how to get that done in PBE. Congrats on the Super Bowl, Tom Brady. Yep. <laughs> I saw a really okay, really quick left turn here. I saw a really hilarious uh, little note written by a kid in it was in Kansas City apparently. And it, at the top, it said, um, who do you need to forgive? And they wrote Tom Brady. <laughs> Cute little kid. Anyways, uh, rolling it back into the draft. Should we go on to number 11? Sure. 11 goes uh, to the Indy Apex. I think they have the Toros pick, if mm-hmm. I remember right. They do. Um, and with that one, they use it to snag outfielder Jody Quinn, who goes by Nameless Nate. And yep. he's he's pretty thoroughly, in my eyes, the best outfielder. Yeah. Um, not by a long margin by mm-hmm. any stretch, but like clearly by all margins, he's the best by a little bit, yep. I would say. Um, sure. He's very active in the community. Uh, I mean, he was using a whole bunch of channel points to, you know, throw out his golden glove campaign during streams and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so he, he obviously cares. Mm-hmm. And I think with the combination of his TPE, his money and his activity level, mm-hmm. I think him going down to 11 is a really good. Yeah. Not, like not good for him, but like, right, right. Good value. Indy, yeah. Yeah. I think Indy got a steal. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I think in my, I think in my mock, I had the crabs taking him at four mm. or something. Sure. Yeah, I think I had him going higher as well, but I don't remember how high I had him going necessarily. Right. So great pick. Um, I think Indy, Indy got an absolute gem with that one. Mm-hmm. I I don't know enough about the league yet to know what that means for Jody mm-hmm. Quinn, but I mean, he's good. And yep. to some extent in the outfield, um, there's not a lot of interacting with other fielders, you know, mm-hmm. like if you're, if you're a middle infielder and you're trying to turn a double play, then you got to hope that the other middle infielder and your first baseman also don't suck. Right. But to some extent in the outfield, it's just kind of like do your job and then you're mm-hmm. good. So yeah, it's like, I, I would imagine the range of the players on either side of you would have a little effect, but to your point, certainly nowhere near as big of an effect as the infielders would have. Right. And I also don't know where in the outfield he's going to go. I mean, mm-hmm. he's listed, he prefers center field, but mm-hmm. if I had to take a guess, he's probably got right and left or left and right as his number two and three or something like that. I would so. assume so. Also, shout us, shout out to Nameless Nate because I know he listens to this podcast. So, first off, shout out for he listening does. to the podcast. Um, second off, I feel like we always have good conversations with him. So jolly good chap. Um, but I especially loved, he wrote out a, uh, did you see his article that he wrote post draft? Uh, no. To 
I'm, I'm sorry, Nate. I'm going to spoil it for everyone. Everyone should still go read it because it's hilarious. But if if you want to read it before the spoiler, yep. pause. pause the podcast and, and now they're gone. And thank you. OK, uh, so essentially the uh, the title of it was something along the lines of Jody Quinn officially retires from or uh, Jody Jody Quinn officially retires. That's what it was. And I read that and I was like, whoa. What a jerk. He waits until the apex takes him with their number one pick. And then he retires. I was like, that's ridiculous. That doesn't seem like something he would do because he's been a really cool guy. And like, wow, I can't believe he screwed everybody over like that. So let me let me pull this up. He's got a couple of paragraphs. Basically, with a heavy heart, I, Jody Quinn, must announce my retirement. Goes on and on thanking people. And all of this stuff. And then in the very end, it says, in conclusion, I, Jody Quinn, Quinn, am announcing my retirement from the music industry and have decided to focus all energies on baseball moving forward. Uh, <laughs> I, I was expecting him to retire his Golden Glove campaign or something like that. <laughs> apparently, it's just not baseball at all. Oh, that would have been good, too. I wrote some quippy little response about how could you do this to the music industry? Have fun, quote unquote, <laughs> making money in baseball. I mean, you probably will. Yeah, probably. All right. Uh, so uh, again, shout out Nameless Nate. Appreciate you, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 12. Number 12. The Toros are back yet again with yep. the third pick of the first round, this time yep. via Death Valley and the Scorpions mm-hmm. um, giving their own number 11 pick to Indy just now. Mm-hmm. Um, so not very inconsequent, like pretty, pretty insignificant difference between 11 and 12, unless mm-hmm. they were planning on scooping up an outfielder, but I don't think they were because mm-hmm. they got me. Woo! Wallaby Hickams. So they got Wallaby Hickams with the 12th overall pick. And um, that, it was kind of interesting because Dr. K's stream was like five or 10 seconds behind mine. Yeah. So, <laughs> Once he got picked, he was like, oh, by the way, don't celebrate when you get picked so you don't spoil it for me or whatever. So then on stream number 12, Wallaby Hickams came up and I just sat there in silence for like eight (laughs) seconds and then typed out like I I did like a highlighted message in the Twitch stream. But then I just didn't hit enter until I heard you react to it. And go. And there it is. Now we can celebrate. And I got to give a shout out to you, dude. The funniest comment on twitch for the entire evening got the card up they're talking about the stats they highlight your 196 batting average and you jump into a chat with a highlighted message and you say please hide wallaby stats (laughs) and one of the streamers even called it out and everyone was laughing oh it was legendary it was so funny I'm not going to pretend that wallaby had a good season and I'm also not going to pretend that I'm not funny. Yeah. <laughs> so I will leverage one of those with the other yep. to make a fun little nugget that people oh, that. I loved it. It was so, so- this uh this surprised me though because mm-hmm. I was still expecting Toros to you know pick up their middle infielder and then move on. Mm-hmm. Um especially because Caden and I are both second basemen. But then when right. they grabbed me, I was like, oh huh. Sweet. Interesting. <laughs> um, and then I sent a message to LGM and I was like, hey, can I get some reps at shortstop? <laughs> <laughs> 
And he was just like, what's your fielding range? 60? We'll just get it to 65. Okay. All right. <laughs> so that, that'll hopefully happen either this season or next, sure. depending on what um, Dillo's management does with their draft picks this yep. upcoming season. Sure. Um, so I, I would not be surprised if the future for Wallaby Hickams includes mm-hmm. a shortstop-only career in mm-hmm. the majors. Yeah. Because... If I'm coming in at the same year as Caden Kalian mm-hmm. and probably falsely operating under the assumption that he and I, you know, are retained by Cancun forever, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll probably never play second because, according to Toro's management, Caden really wants to play second. Sure. And I would prefer to play second. Sure. So, like, eh, yeah. I'll do short. It doesn't really matter to me too much uh, as long as I get the experience necessary to raise my shortstop level from 100 to 200 yeah. in OOTP, which is kind of an arbitrary right. metric in my head. I yep. feel like why not just make it zero to 100 and then start at like 50 or something, yeah. whatever. Um, but that, that'll be interesting. Um, and one thing that I pointed out to you mm-hmm. that's really fascinating to me is, um, one of the Toros GMs has Steve Rogers, who mm-hmm. this last year in the Dillos was my third baseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if he was S23 or S22, but mm-hmm. he's one of those draft classes. Yeah. So he'll be, I think he's S23. So he's oh. only like one year ahead of us, I think. Yeah. Um, I can go check. Okay. So we got him at third base with like one year on him. Then we got me at short, Caden at second, and Ernie Witt at catcher. So this is like a fresh batch of four out of the five infield positions Yeah. that if they retain everybody, I don't think it's much of an exaggeration to say that the Toros will have like a five or seven year stretch where they just clearly have the best infield. It's going to be incredibly dominant, and uh, Steve Rogers is S twenty three, so you're correct on that. But yeah, right. it's going to be it's going to be a stacked infield uh, <laughs> for a while, right? Yeah. So that'll that'll be really interesting to see how that develops. Obviously, uh, Steve Rogers can't go anywhere because mm-hmm. he's the GM, and he right. can't go anywhere. Yep. So as long as the Toros retain the other three of us. Mm-hmm. Great. And then if they can pick up a first baseman, I mean, like, it might not matter who they pick up. Right. They can put the mascot at first and it'll probably be fine. Right. Yeah. So super awesome. I thought they were going to pick up a pitcher potentially at this spot, kind of like we had talked about taking a second baseman Um, or they had taken a second baseman, but super happy to see you go there. It seems like it's going to be a really good fit for you. Yeah. And, um, and we'll we'll talk about locker room experiences again mm-hmm. uh, after we talk about the rest of the picks a little bit more. But yeah. like they're very friendly and very active. It's yeah. basically, in my eyes, it's really similar vibe to the Dillos locker room, and I really mm-hmm. like the Dillos locker room. Awesome. So love it. Well, let's uh, should we get through the last two picks of the first round, and then we'll talk about locker rooms a bit. Sure. Uh, so we got up next number 13, the San Antonio sloths picked up Trevin Knight, also a center fielder. 
Uh, yeah, and he's also not uh, because this last year he mm-hmm. was on the other side of second base with me. He was filling in mm. for shortstop. So Trevin and I were quite the dynamic duo. I think we were third in the minors with double plays or something nice. like that, um, which is pretty darn good, especially considering you know he's not a shortstop. Um, right. He's not even a middle fielder. So like... Uh, I'm I'm glad that he got picked up to a good organization. I really hope that they have plans for him to actually play outfield mm-hmm. because he made an outfielder and he put in he he took his lumps and he played shortstop for a year when the team mm-hmm. needed him to. So I hope he is rewarded with playing in the outfield for his patience. Um, yeah. That being said, he also got selected to a team that knows how to build a team. So I'm sure a good chunk of success is likely to come his way. Yeah, I totally agree. Looking at his guy in OOTP, his first, um, his first position is center field, as you'd mentioned. So he has 200 in that, uh, his second position is actually shortstop and he already has 172, um, in that. And then second base is 150. So he's kind of built an interesting character in that he or an interesting player, I should say, and that he's a center fielder, but he also has some decent skills on the, on the middle infielder spots, but right. I do hope and, he gets some center field opportunity. And to clarify him having 172 at shortstop, mm-hmm. it started as his third because your mm-hmm. first is 200, your second is 150 and your third mm-hmm. is 100. And uh-huh. his second base is still at 150. Right. And he never played second base because I played second base. Right. So the, the 72 experience that he gained was from this year in the minors, which is sure. a good sign for me. Yeah. Because shortstop is my third position. My second is third base for some mm-hmm. reason. I don't remember why I ordered it that way. Sure. Oops. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so if my third position is shortstop, then by the end of next year, if mm-hmm. I play shortstop or by the end of two years from now, if I play shortstop, then whatever mm-hmm. I should end up getting my experience up to the cap of 200 relatively quickly before it hurts the Toros. Sure. And I think the gap in TPE in minor league games between new players and now we are veterans mm-hmm. by minors standards. Like, yeah, yeah. we're going to start the season at something around 320 or 330 TPE. And right. I think that will, outweigh me being out of position for the first however long it takes for me to get caught up. Right. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree with all that. Uh, wrapping up the first round here, we've got yep. the Rougarous not taking Wallaby Hickams because you've mm-hmm. already been selected. And they took the reliever Maddie DeFerrari. Yeah, and that one was slightly surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Um I I mean, obviously, everyone and their mom had Ruth Heter Ginsburg as yep. the best reliever pitcher. Yep. Um, for me, my second was Caledon Stormbless from mm-hmm. the Chicago Kingpins, but they uh, chose the Mountie. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, like, he's got decent TPE, and he does have more money mm-hmm. than Stormbless, so I think they're, like, pretty comparable. Yeah. The reason that I ended up putting Stormbless first mm-hmm. because... I think Stormbless is a control freak Mm -hmm. and Maddie is a junk baller. Yep. And the idea of a reliever in my head is Mm -hmm. like someone who can come in and control a game to keep it from changing too much. For sure. 
For sure. I totally agree. The really good, at least in my mind, the really good relievers are the ones that come in, they get strikeouts or they produce ground balls to get outs and they don't walk anybody because they have good control. Right. And I don't know if that's mechanically reflected in OOTP at all. Sure. That's just like the narrative I have in my head of why I thought that a control archetype would be prioritized as a reliever slightly ahead of a junk baller. Right. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So uh, that is the end of our first round wrap up. Uh, I'm curious to hear how uh, your first locker room experience went after you got drafted, um, jumping in, and then how how it has been for the last however many hours it has been. Less than a day still in the locker room. But right. How has it been? Uh, I mean, it's, it's busy and it's varied. Um, so mm-hmm. like you and I have both been invited to a couple of other locker rooms before the draft mm-hmm. process. Yep. Or at least um, the lobbies of them. But yeah, yeah. 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 And there's a couple of them where it's like not that not that channel variety is the end all be all or anything, but there's a couple mm-hmm. of them where it's like seven or eight channels. Mm-hmm. And then the Toros have like twenty five or something. Yeah. And in my head, what that tells me is it's enough people are constantly active mm-hmm. that a lot of topics for various subjects of conversation mm-hmm. or subjects for topics of conversation have popped up to the point where they feel justified needing to make more channels. So sure. the, the amount of variety that I see is pretty darn large. Yeah. Um, and Lock even up. in the, yeah. And even in the process of yesterday and today, there have been like, a couple hundred total messages sent or something like that. Awesome. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is many. Sweet. I'm glad to hear it's been an awesome experience for you thus far. And how about them vandals? Uh, yeah, I've also had a great experience in the vandals locker room. I, I don't know about you, but the initial jumping into the locker room was a very different experience for me compared to jumping into the dynamos. And only because when I came into the dynamos, it was as a waiver claim and along with like several other draft picks. Um, and so it was kind of joining as a group, um, which was totally fine, totally worked out. And then it was just, it was just different going into the vandals and to have an announcement like, Hey, at, you know, fifth overall, like Hasio put in as an announcement, like the next quote unquote big thing in the PVE, Dr. K, Giuseppe Tosin said it on stream, but we're super excited to have him here. Um, so having that kind of an introduction was really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, just different. Like, have, having the order of the draft give you your own window of time where you yeah. come in is pretty fun. Obviously, yeah. something like the Indy Apex having back-to-back-to-back picks in the second round, that might have mm-hmm. been a little bit like modeled. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I do agree that everybody kind of had their own time in the spotlight. Like yeah. As soon as I joined, uh, my Discord avatar is... Uh, picture of macho man randy savage <laughs> so the, the chat in the toros locker room was just a bunch of macho man randy savage love gifs it. for a while love it which is yeah. great super cool and it's been great to like make some more connections with people uh for well nobody knows me in real life in real life i am very into disc golf um and found out that there's another guy in here who loves to play disc golf i'm also a musician and there are like 
six or seven people in on the vandals that have played music like all the way through high school or college so it's mm-hmm. really cool to kind of make some of those connections and to like like we've been saying this whole time it's not about the game it's about the people that you're enjoying it with um so cool to make some connections and i think i'm really going to fit in in the locker room which is really the most important thing when considering a major league team yeah yeah i would i would agree and again this goes back to what Dr. K and I have said multiple times in multiple episodes. The best thing about the PBE experience that we've had so far, which I guess is redundant because PBE is professional baseball experience experience. The, the experience yeah. experience, the <laughs> automated teller machine machine. Yeah. Uh, the best thing we've had with the PBE so far is just how humanized it is compared mm-hmm. to what it could be. Right. It could just be straight number crunching with whatever the OOTP algorithms decide to spit out at you. Mm -hmm. But the amount of human interaction with everything is, Mm -hmm. uh, it it makes it feel like a game instead of like math homework. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It's been, it's been awesome. I'm so happy that not only, I heard about this league and jumped in, but the, that you jumped in with me with both feet. <laughs> right. And yeah. And going back to, you know, that fateful day, whatever mm-hmm. that is, uh, 50 days ago. Yeah. You were like, Hey, I spent the last like week finding out about this, like baseball simulation thing. I heard from a bunch of different podcast sources. I've looked into it a lot. I've thought about it a lot. I think it looks like it might be fun. Yeah. Uh, I took a lot of time for this. Do you want to join? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like you sat and thought about it and i was just like i'm in coach yeah why not why not and we've we've never looked back no awesome dude well anything else you want to uh want to talk about before wrapping up season 23 officially turning over to the new chapter of season 24 right um i want to thank all of the gms that reached out to the two of us and gave us their time regardless of whether or not you decided to pick us or whether you had the opportunity to pick us. Mm -hmm. It was still uh, a cool, I don't know, honoring or something experience to be sought after at least a little bit, even if you were just doing your due diligence, it's, Mm -hmm. it's cool to get reached out to like that. And then obviously big shout out to the Toros and Vandals Mm -hmm. for being our first uh, major league destinations. And as a much less sappy thing, who oh boy, we're going to get like 75 TPE this week. Because <laughs> we get to buy equipment. We get Yay! to turn in weekly stuff. We yeah. get to buy more expensive training. There's the season 23 check-in. There's the playoffs check-in. We might get the playoffs parlay bet thing going yep. on. Yep. It's, it so feels long. good. Feels good to be rolling in the TPE. And not only are we getting a ton of TPE for the first time, Mm -hmm. but we're getting a ton of TPE for the first time. Like it will happen again. Yes, exactly. And again, and again, and again. And then eventually in about two seasons, probably ish, Mm -hmm. you and I are going to get called up and we're going to be sitting at minor league cap (laughs) for the last 140 real life days. (laughs) And then we're just going to, dump another 390 points into ourselves and all of a sudden be competitive. Yep. Uh, It's going to be a fun day. Uh, I'll tell you what, I I filled out my update this morning 
uh, and I think my total added was 74. It was really fun to, instead of just, you know, I'm going to bump up my movement one and then maybe my slider one. It was like, let's move everything up five. That sounds great. Let's do that. Yeah. I think I would like to put my fielding at 65. I think I'd like to make my power maxed. Who cares? <laughs> because I'm a magician archetype. It only maxes at 50 like anyway. 12. So I can just, oh, 50. Yeah. I can just grab the slider and throw that thing. <laughs> It'd be super satisfying. Oh, man. I freaking love it. Well, thank you guys so much for anybody who has listened through this whole episode. We apologize. You know, and uh, we are the first to admit that our uh, our opinions on all of the draft and everything, not the greatest. No, but we did each get at least two total picks. <laughs> we both got Michael Knight Rider. You got yourself. I got Bongo. And then we got Jack all for the rest then of the thing. Nothing correct after that. You and I were definitely talking about maybe placing bets against each other for who got the most correct. And I remember thinking, I'm not super confident in these picks. Uh, and that was a good feeling because we did not do very well on it. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a wash, I think. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you all for listening so much. We will uh, we will hear, uh, be here for you next week. And it will be a new shiny sparkly season that's right and we're gonna see uh you know we're starting to climb back towards the world series we'll see if your dillos can repeat or if my dynamos can finally grab another world series and we'll also have our own major league teams now to be keeping an eye on which is gonna be super exciting that is very true awesome well thanks for all for listening we will see you next week go dillos go toros go dynamos go van that's gonna be too long that's not gonna work yeah, I, th- I don't. I don't even know if I can do the two. Yeah, I think I'm just well, gonna stick with Dillos until we get called up. Yeah, it sounds good. Let's pretend that didn't happen. Thank you all. We'll see you guys next week. Go Dillos. Nailed it. That's perfect. Thanks for listening. If you are not yet a member of PBE and would like to learn more, visit us online at www.probaseballexperience.jcink.net.